The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And we have another fantastic podcast for you today. We have been talking, actually, we have been talking, honestly, for the last couple hours <laughs> with Felipe Flores, who is the host of the Data Futurology podcast, which is a fantastic podcast, also really tackling a lot of the same issues that we talk about here on the AI Today podcast, which is really about making AI uh, an implementation reality. You know, we, we think about all of the sort of the promise and the hype and the theory of what we can do with AI. But of course, for those of you in our, in our listening audience who are actually trying to put AI together, whether you're in the private sector, in large companies or small companies, or you're a consulting firm, or, or you're working in the public sector, sector, you know, the government's uh, international, federal, state, local, or a government contractor, you know, you're running into some real challenges of making AI work. And so a lot of what we do here on the AI Today podcast is, first of all, talk to the others who have been putting AI into practice and, and some of their issues and their challenges, but also talk about sort of some of the, the challenges and the solutions. And, you know, on that note, we are just so thrilled to have with us, as I mentioned, Felipe Flores, who's the host of the Data Futurology podcast, a fantastic podcast that I listened to, and we will definitely be linking to in the show notes. So Felipe, thank you so much for joining us on AI Today. Guys, are you kidding me? Thank you. This has been amazing. <laughs> and and um, just before we started recording, I was, I was saying how um, how I, I feel that we're so well aligned uh, in terms of that we want to um, bring content to the community that helps people get value out of AI, make more dreams a reality, and to, to highlight different use cases, different challenges, bring different perspectives of how people have been overcoming these challenges, and, and to, to help the, breach the gap between the AI hype and the AI reality uh, in a way that empowers people and helps them move AI forward in their organization, and obviously from, from the value side as well. So the um, our focus is definitely very well aligned, and uh, it's it's uh, it's amazing to spend some time with you guys. Yeah, so you know we um, we're also on Felipe's podcast, the Data Futurology podcast, and so we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes, uh, so that our listeners can listen to our interview with you. It was a really incredible conversation, and you're right, we really are aligned. So I encourage our listeners to check that out. But I'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background, your podcast, and why you started your podcast. Yeah, perfect. So um, I'm, uh, I'll give you the, the, the sort of the quick version. So I'm originally from South America. I grew up in Chile, in the north part of Chile, in the driest desert in the world. So over there, it rains once every seven years, and we get less than an inch of rain. Um, and so I grew up in a small mining town, 10,000 people, and... Um, I came to Australia when I was about 20 and um, started work and uh, I did kind of like odd jobs, then got into data and loved it um, and did about seven years of working in consulting, small and large businesses. Uh, then I started my own uh, analytics consulting company, um, did that for about five years, grew it to about 50 people. And then uh, we were doing uh, data-driven products online. Uh, we had two or three different products and we did also consulting, uh, which, which those consulting profits helped us hire people to uh, do the development of the products. I sold my part 
Uh, this is over 10 years ago now. Oh, yeah. Um, no, maybe a bit less, but yeah, I'm getting old. And then um, I spent some time in finance and I was um, um, head, of, head of data science in um, one of the biggest banks in Australia. And that was a great opportunity to build a team and develop the, the culture and think of really interesting applications of how to use finance data, uh, particularly in the B2B space where people had like, people that, that I care about and that care about me, they had kind of like warned me not to go into the B2B space because there's very little amount of transactions that happen every every year. And there's there's many, many less customers, um, like orders of magnitudes less customers than what you have on the retail side. But what we end up ha- uh, finding is that you can leverage the retail data to do really interesting B2B work and that that can feed back into the retail side. So that was a really nice uh, marriage. And then um, and then after finance, I moved into healthcare. So now I'm um, uh, head of data and technology for a, um, a healthcare AI startup uh, where we started at the um, start of last year. So in Jan 2020, uh, we got some seed funding uh, for from um, two companies, one in, the Australia, one in Australia um, and then one in the U.S., um, the U.S. is like a huge global brand. Uh, it's called Cigna. So they're in a health insurer. And um, yeah, both companies came together, put uh, put some money, uh, some seed investment into uh, what's now Honeysuckle Health. And um, and we started this business. We've got essentially three three pillars. Where one, we have health management programs. So we help people when recover after they um, have surgery. Or we help them with uh, mental health issues. Um, and we do that uh, with programs that are telephonic and digital. Uh, so that's been really interesting. That's first pillar. Second pillar is the contracting side. And this is part of what I love to see and what I've done. I've tried to do a lot with my career is to see kind of like how the hidden part of the world works. And that's why I was in finance. I was attracted to the B2B side because you get to see entire supply chains of businesses that um, that serve each other and businesses that you never heard about. Like who makes who makes the McDonald's hamburger, McDonald's hamburger cases, like the, the cardboard cases. Like we worked with those people. Um, so you get to see the hidden side of the world. In healthcare, the contracting piece is how um, payers or insurers um, um, agree how much they're going to pay the providers. So the hospitals, the specialists, the family doctors, um, and there's been historically a lot of information asymmetry in that space with like large hospitals um, uh, negotiating with small insurers or vice versa, large insurers negotiating with small hospitals. And that information asymmetry has led to um, really combative relationships. And what we're doing is opening up the data, having agreed metrics and everyone can see the same. So that's our second pillar. And then the third pillar is data science and analytics consulting. So uh, we work with uh, with insurers, with payers, with government, uh, and we provide a, a lot of um, consulting pieces that go from sort of population health strategy on, on the strategic side, that, that is to say, what are the future healthcare needs and costs of the population? And then how do we make that population healthier over time? Um, and then on the other end, it's uh, things like data capture, where we have a lot of surveys where we ask people to give us the um, information about their recovery and their outcomes and how they're feeling about the surgery or the procedure that they had for us to create the feedback loops in the healthcare system um, where we can help uh, people have journeys that help them become healthier. So that's um, what I've been doing the last couple of years, but then about four years ago, maybe just a bit less in 2018, start 2018, I started data futurology. So I was uh, working in the bank at the time 
And um, um, the reason kind of what it happened, kind of a bit embarrassing, but uh, to admit that um, I, um, I was getting married and my wife and I were planning a long honeymoon. And we thought like maybe six months, maybe 12 months, we'll see what happens. And we're going to go for a long, for a long honeymoon. And um, I was having a chat with my wife and I was like, you know, we're going to have all this time off. What the hell am I going to do? And she was like, you're a jerk. No, <laughs> she was like, um, she's like, well, if you, uh, you like listening to podcasts so much, uh, why don't you start one? And um and I was like, yeah, that sounds really great. So um, before we left Australia, I interviewed, I think, about a dozen people that I knew and, and admired in the industry, um, released those. And, and then what I said is, like, wherever we go in this honeymoon, I'm going to reach out to people that live locally, that are um, experts in, the, in this field and in AI, and that they're leaders and that can help us uh, with the, the challenges and the use cases, as we were talking before. And uh, as we traveled for those six months, I interviewed people everywhere we went, in Japan, all over Europe, and then I was getting people from other parts of the world. And I thought I was just going to do it for six months. Um, but I thought when we came back to Australia, I'll wrap it up. And then what happened is we came back uh, and uh, um, we had uh, just under 5,000 listeners at that point. And um, during that time that we were away, we started getting um, some sponsors as well, which was helping because um, at the beginning, I always say I didn't know what I was doing. And I was spending a little time doing this when we were on the honeymoon. Um, so getting some sponsors helped like start a team. Um, and then when we came back to Australia, um, the first two weeks that um, we didn't release a podcast, we started getting messages to be like, hey, what's going on? Um, where's, where's, where's my podcast? So I was like, okay, yeah, we, uh, we better continue. Um, and that's been, that's been great. Like a, a, a wonderful, amazing journey um, where I get to speak with amazing people from around the world, like you guys. And, and I've been so, um, so grateful and uh, so fortunate about how, uh, where this has taken uh, the conversations and the ability to give back to the community has been incredible. And, uh, I think that we're definitely aligned in wanting to help people get more value out of out of AI and and um, and be able to help their organizations uh, increase the adoption, advance the use of AI, and really make a difference in this world. Um, so it's it's been amazing to be able to do that. Uh, I know you guys have been running longer. I think um, you guys started in September 2017. So I gotta say congratulations on your fourth birthday, and it's amazing to spend time with you guys. And um, yeah, I'm so so happy to be here. Yeah, that's a fantastic story. Actually, it's really nice connected a lot of dots. We have uh, mining in Chile and the Atacama Desert, and you got uh, Australia and the finance world and the six month honeymoon, which I think a lot of people will be like, "Wow, that's uh, not a very envious." <laughs> so, um, I, and I think that's fantastic. And you're right. I mean, your podcast really does cover a lot of great territory. And you know, there's, as I said, there's no no real competition among podcasters. You really do inc- encourage our listeners to really tune in. Uh, to that and really catch up. I actually want to go uh, talk about a different two-letter acronym. We spent a lot of time talking about AI, right, and sort of making all that work. Um, but a lot of people, especially, you know, they're finding that a lot of the putting AI into practice is pretty mundane. It's not nearly like making autonomous robots and self-driving vehicles. A lot of it really looks like predictive analytics and pattern and anomaly recognition, all the things that we like to talk about in our various seven patterns. Um, but uh, people may be like, hey, wait a second here. Uh, we've done some of this stuff before. You know, some of this data science, data analytics, it looks a lot like BI, you know, business intelligence. 
So maybe you could talk a little bit about, because I know you've you've had some of the conversations that we have not had in our podcast with folks who are sort of implementing maybe you know, coming from traditional BI, traditional data analytics, kind of how do you see these, these concepts marrying as BI gone away? Is AI replay or kind of where, where are we with, with all that? Yeah, that's, that is great. I think, I think that there's, um, there's so much value in, in, in BI. There's, um, there's, it's, it's something that I think continues to deliver value and will continue to, to deliver value. I think that there's, um, there's a lot of, uh, because of the, the data space has been around for such a long time. Like if we think about the first databases being built 40, 50 years ago, there's been a, a lot of a lot of IP and knowledge that has been developed that it's still very relevant and valuable today. Sometimes we are, uh, sometimes as an industry, when we try to keep up with the latest, we, um, we sometimes go too far or throw the baby out with the bathwater. And then we don't want to know anything about what happened in the past when there's there's bits that we can cherry pick that add a lot of a lot of value. Some of that sits in data warehousing, for example, um, and, and what data warehouse can teach us about building modern data pipelines. Um, and, and then the another space is in, in BI, where I think that now if we grab uh, business intelligence and we marry that with AI, um, I think that the, the benefits uh, that are provide, that can be provided to, to industry is huge. Um, so what I mean by that is, uh, for example, back when I had my consulting business, one of our first products, uh, data-driven products, we had uh, this marriage of BI and AI uh, for small to medium businesses where companies at the time, we uh, would upload their company financials and we would give them a set of canned reports, so the BI piece, and on, on every, every chart, we would do predictions, so the AI part. We would show them um, the, the forecast. We would give them um, the key drivers, so out of the data that they had uploaded, what were the key drivers that were um, predictive for this particular chart? And um, we would give them outliers, anomaly detection, and, and give them kind of like that next level of, of information. Um, but it was all presented uh, in, in a BI tool. Um, now, that's something that um, as, a, as kind of like as a playbook, that's something that I've implemented in a few other industries uh, since, like in retail, in finance, and definitely now in, in healthcare. Um, and, and that's that's just from my from my experience. But from what we're seeing in the market, there's more and more AI capabilities that are um, kind of like sneaking into into uh, into the world of BI and being delivered through BI. And sometimes that's like um, uh, natural text uh, recognition and being able to interact uh, in in that manner with a BI tool. That instead of creating the the charts in a manual way. Now people are able to um, ask, essentially ask questions or, or cre- do the creation of charts um, by by typing. And sometimes that like, typing is like, where am I? Where am I getting my best sales in the last quarter by uh, by zip code? And and then that information comes up to you. So um, AI is helping. Um, BI get more embedded in more places, make it more accessible, and I think that there's there's a lot more to to give in the in that space. Um, focus, when you focus on the on the human to computer interaction, um, there's there's a lot more that we can do there. 
Yeah, those are some great insights. I know in conversations that we've had, we've started talking about BI more and more, uh, you know, from our early days when we started the podcast in 2017, people weren't talking about BI and AI as much. So, you know, great insights there. And I know that you've had, uh, you know, the opportunity to interview many guests on your podcast and also work in industry and be able to see things firsthand. So what are you seeing as some of the biggest trends emerging in data and data science today? Uh, from from my perspective, oh, quite, quite a few, but from my perspective, uh, at the moment, uh, people are wanting to get uh, value from AI is is a, a key piece. Um, as we were discussing uh, before, there's been a, a high failure rate of um, of projects in in the space, uh, and people people are wondering like, what do we do better about this? What do we do? What do we do better? Some of that focus is going to um, what's called ML ops. So essentially creating a, a path for your AI product to get to the customer. Um, and, and that comes with, with a, a methodology. There's been a lot, of, um, a lot of concepts and approaches have been borrow, borrowed from software development or software engineering, particularly from the DevOps world, where we want uh, continuous integration, continuous development, uh, sorry, continuous deployment, and in our world, we also need to do continuous testing, uh, which, which essentially that means being able to have um, a system that where we can have a champion and challenger approach to deploying models where data scientists can be working on improving a model and can sort of put them in the pipeline. Both models get run on uh, the same data and the results compared and then when there's a new champion that that um, that model gets released and, it, in, and that it's released in a stage manner in your production environment and that once it's in production there's a, a bunch of metrics that need to be monitored that you want to um, that you want to know about your model when it starts degrading in in say quality or accuracy or whatever the, the model is striving to to improve or to uh, predict. You want to track how that's going and then know when the model needs to be retrained. And if it can't be retrained and improved automatically, then uh, for the, the platform to create an alert, essentially, to get um, human intervention to come in and improve the, the data set. So that's something that for the people that, for organizations that had that type of system um, in place before COVID, that means that they had a huge start because COVID hit and essentially all our predictive models um, that interact with customers down the drain. Like it was a never seen before world in the time that we've been digital. Um, so it meant that a lot of our predictive models didn't apply anymore, didn't work. So if you had those alerts, that monitoring and alerts in place, you would know first, essentially. And you and if it needed, in this case, it did need manual intervention, you could do that first. Um, and, and sometimes it was because the intervention was required because there was too much of to the upside, uh, as in like too many customers were coming to, to the website and, and everything was being bought online and, and the business needed to, you need to alert that so the business could adjust their physical supply chains, their orders to, to manage that. Sometimes it was um, improving the models because of the downside of all the customers that had moved. That for example, in healthcare, we saw a lot of um, people, uh, a huge reduction in elective surgeries. So things that maybe people needed a hip replacement or a knee replacement, and those stopped and people decided to wait a long time during COVID, and now it's coming back up. 
Yeah, that's really, really great insight. And I, I think you're right. I mean, a lot of sort of the traditional models have really been thrown out. Supply chains around the world have been completely disrupted. Labor change, you talked about that, healthcare, education, working from home, office real estate, transportation, commuting, telecommunication, the use of the internet. Honestly, what has not been impacted? I think that's, I think I just talked about almost everything. Um, but, you know, um, we do need to find ways that companies do need to respond and need to be agile. And we're going to have to come out of this. Hopefully, this will motivate people to pay much more attention uh, to their data and ways to basically gain insights from it. So actually, that's one of the things that, that you know, I'd really like to ask you about. You know, um, one of the things you do, when you, especially on the podcast and the other things you've been involved in, you're involved in a lot of stuff down there in Australia <laughs> with data science, that's for sure. Um, you get the opportunity to really interview a lot of leaders and implementers in AI and data science and in business intelligence. So what are you seeing as, what are you hearing as some of the common themes, the common data themes, and maybe even some surprising insights that some of your, your guests have brought up uh, in, any, in any of your conversations? Yeah, uh, amazing. And the, um, what, the ones that have had that... Um, that I that stick with me, I think, are, are the and definitely the ones that I that I seek out is to um, is people that are different to me, different different in terms of their their background, their journey, um, and um, their their industry experience, or anything that's that's different. I'm really really um, attracted to in terms of um, uh, learning learning from that. Um, and so, so for example, like some of those we had um, the the CTO from NASA um, came on the show, and he was talking, and he like he wrote a book on deep learning, and he was telling us about how they use online learning, uh, online reinforcement learning in the Mars rover, um, and and how like because of the the constraints of essentially being in space. The, the compute was limited, the memory was limited, and that it had to be uh, learning online and then discarding the data, but, um, but in a way that then it can continue to improve um, as, as it's exploring this, this new world. Like stuff like that is, is amazing. Um, the other ones that I love is the, the, human, um, the human side and how to better incentivize, better motivate, better um, drive adoption is is a, a key piece that that I love. Um, one of the ones that that I've mentioned before is in the energy space, where an LNG gas plant um, was asking people whether they wanted to know how to how they have um, improved the efficacy of of the plant. So essentially, the what they were showing in the recommendations was to say, Ron, in this shift two weeks ago, you had this plant running at two percent. Uh, better output, would you like to know what you did? And they had this opt-in model um, for the humans after the AI had done kind of like all the work to create their recommendations. And by having this opt-in model that they had in a staged approach, um, they got huge, huge adoption. They got a lot of feedback during that time. They were able to improve uh, the product and how it worked. They went from comparing you versus you for a year to comparing um, you versus everyone for another year. But in both of those cases, you had to opt in to find that out. Um, and then once they had two years of that, they went to uh, an open uh, suggestion that everyone could see. So it's it's um, it's things things like that I love, and that kind of like uh, adoption is in the last mile. 
Um, the other big piece that I love is seeing the, the strategy side and that um, strategy is kind of like, you know, in a one line, it's saying, where do you want to be? Where are you today? And then what's the road to, to get there? And we've had people that have brought in really interesting frameworks about how to create a, a data analytics strategy that supports the business strategy. So you, you always start with the business strategy and what the company wants to achieve. And then how do you, how do you plug into that in a way that uh, it helps the stakeholders get a, a list of business problems that then you can start to, um, to attack with these technology and tools that we have at our disposal. Yeah, that's really incredible. You know, and we always say that too. Our listeners have heard us talk many times about CPM AI methodology, which is the best practices for doing AI right. And we talk about how you start with business understanding. So you're right. We need to make sure that that's what we're doing because if you're not solving a business problem, then don't do it. <laughs> you're going to waste a lot of time and resources and money and you're going to, you know, go down this rabbit hole to build this uh AI application that really nobody's using and it's not solving a problem. So don't do it. So great. More <laughs> validation. Start with your business understanding first. So this has been an incredible podcast and incredible discussion. As I mentioned to our listeners, we were also on the Data Futurology podcast as well. So I'll link to that in the show notes. And I um, really do encourage you to check that out. We had some great discussions there on all things related to AI. So, uh, you know, that was incredible. But we always like to end our podcast interviews with a final question that we ask all our guests because we get such varied results or, you know, responses, no matter how many times we've asked this, some of it can be common themes, but, you know, the examples that they give and their responses really do vary. So as a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? Great, great question. Um, so I think that as as we as we continue to to mature um, in our adoption of use and use of AI, I think that um, everyone's going to become an AI practitioner uh, in the same way that everyone has become a computer practitioner. So, if you think about thirty years ago. Um, there were some people that knew how to use computers and largely people didn't know how to use computers. I think that we're going to a similar path with AI. And to do that, it means that AI needs to be more accessible, more automated, easier to, to understand, both understand and use, deploy. Um, and that the, key, that the key components, in my view, that are going to help us there is to um, help people understand the, 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 the data, is the, the input to to the problems that they need to, to solve, um, be very clear about the um, what they're trying to predict or optimize, like the, the variable that they're trying to, to go with, and then have some really interesting and some really proven methods to deploy that to, to the users. Um, I think that we're going to see a lot of improvement and automation that will help um, drive those forward and essentially support, support those areas. Um, and so as, as long as people understand that, they'll be able to play in the AI space, add value in the AI space because of the, um, the automation that has been coming. And for example, some of that automation looks like AutoML tools that you have um, open source alternatives like Teapot or PyCarrot. And then obviously you have um, some, some software vendors in that space that 
that is going to make it and continues to make it a lot easier to create and deploy a machine learning models. So then um, the, the human component that we all need to focus on is around the business strategy, the business problem, uh, getting the right uh, data, thinking about the, the data set, thinking about that, um, that target variable that you're trying to predict and put that in more problems, more, um, more solutions. Um, and then um, with increased automation, we're definitely going to a world where, and in, 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 um, you know what they say, like uh, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. And, and one example of that is um, there's, there's algorithms where you can, you can describe a, a web page, for example, and have an AI build it. Um, so then we're going to have that for, for web apps, for software, and then for computer interaction, it's going to be much more um, human, um, human-led. Well, um, it's going to be able to converse much more naturally with humans. And as a result, there's going to be a lot more innovation and a lot more needs that need to be fulfilled through that process because our wants have no end. So I think that the, the space is, um, is super exciting. More, more automation. Um, better human to computer interfaces and more space for us to be really creative uh, with with our talent and and be more human. That's fantastic. Well, that's a great answer. We love that. Like more automation, be more human. It's funny. We're talking about adding machine intelligence and the answer is be more human. So that's fantastic. So, well, really a big thing. We did mention, talk a little bit about methodology. We didn't have time too much to talk about it on this particular podcast. I'm just being mindful of our host's time here, guest's time here. But for those of you who are listening to us who want to be more informed about doing AI rights, uh, go to courses.cognolytica.com. That's courses.cognolytica.com. We have certifications on a variety of levels for doing uh, AI, AI methodology, as well as courses for ethical and responsible AI. That's the other part of doing AI right. It's not just running your projects right and doing it right to be successful. It's also doing it right to stay on the right side of your customers and your employees and the government and your society and all that. Be do right. So uh, on that note, I really want to thank so much our host. I have a feeling we will be seeing you on another podcast because um, we will definitely have a thank lot you. to talk about here. So again, a big thank you to our guest, uh, Felipe Flores, uh, who is uh, with, uh, actually, we just heard a little bit about his, his startup. He's got their uh, Honeysuckle Health out there in Australia, uh, but also, as you know, the host of the Data Futurology podcast, which we will be linking to. So thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. This has been amazing. And uh, yeah, looking forward to releasing the episode of Data Futurology, hearing this one, and then for us to do more collaborations together in the future. Thank you to all your audience. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and hope to see you guys next time. Yeah, thank you so much. We had a great time on your podcast and also interviewing you on AI Today as well. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast plas- platform. Well, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, including a link to the Data Futurology podcast, as well as the specific episode that Ron and I were both on. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next episode. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group.
And make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica, all rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.